Unturned is presented by Update AI. I don't want to be the one that's only brought in when there's an escalation or someone to kind of, here's the person who can give you a pricing discount or I want to be part of all the conversations you're having anywhere from prior to closing the deal and when we're strategizing on becoming partners all the way through your onboarding and how you're thinking about it to what are your objectives and what are you trying to meet? And then let's talk about how you're tracking to meeting those objectives um, and then be part of your negotiation as well. But I think it's important that we have different types of conversations with customers. Welcome to Unturned, a show about the leaders and innovators of companies who have forged incredible customer relationships and stories you can use to advance your own career. Here's your host, Josh Schechter. Hey, everybody. I'm Josh Schachter, founder and CEO of Update AI and host of Unchurned. Joining me today is Liron Yahalomi. Liron is the head of customer success at Reggie.ai, which we're going to learn more about. Uh, Reggie is West Coast based. They just closed their Series A. Uh, so congratulations, Liron. That's a huge accomplishment. Uh, Really, utmost respect for you guys for that. Um, and yeah, you know, Reggie, Reggie's motto here is that they help stream streamline every content workflow for the go-to-market team using the latest AI tools. Streamline every content workflow for the go-to-market team using the latest AI tool. Say it twice. What does that mean? What do you guys do? What do we do? So we use AI to help go-to-market teams. So think about every piece of the go-to-market motion. Your SDR or your AEs are probably spending quite a lot of time writing sequences to get a hold of prospect. And while 10 years ago, we might have had people in their interview do a writing sample, we don't really hire people based on their writing skills anymore. And most of us are, especially myself, but I'm sure others are not that great at writing, especially writing sequence cadences. So Reggie's AI actually creates all those for you. We use persona, value proposition, and pain points to gather information from you about who you're contacting with using best practice uh, that we have from the market about what kind of sequences you should create. And the AI creates all of that for you. If you're on the marketing team, you're probably creating quite a lot of blogs and social posts. And more often than not, you're staring at a blank screen thinking, how do I even get started and where do I go? Well, Reggie can actually create all of those for you within a matter of minutes by using AI. So our job is to help you uh, in all those areas where you get stuck, uh, where you're not sure how to write, use AI to create better writing content that has just better impact. I love that for a bunch of reasons. I mean, th this is an area um, that, that I struggle with in my startup on our team uh, is just the, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to write personalized content at scale. Of course, mm -hmm. those by definition are just contradictory to each other. Right. Uh, it's hard to find people that are good writers have the, the you know the proper grammatical structure and really you know dot every i and cross every t um but that also are affordable uh and again that you can assemble a group large enough to do it at scale so i love the premise of what you guys are working on so how exactly does this work do you where, where do you where do you capture those those persona buckets from like where is that data coming from uh great question i wish i could actually answer that um, lots of different data points from different uh, uh, methodologies that we have, uh, but the AI gets trained on how we collect all that information, how should we personalize for you, what are the best rates for open rates for different sequences, what kind of blogs get the most reaction, and AI can get you about 
80, 85% of the way, you still need that human touch to really tweak and get everything there, but it can give you so much more than what you can do on your own. And one of my favorite pieces is just hearing from customers who use Reggie, it's how much time it's saving them in the day. So when you ask an SDR and AE who are needing to create sequences in their day, and they say that it saves them 70% of the time that they used to spend because wow. really quickly they can generate a sequence that would go out to their prospect and then just watch what happens or A-B test it. Same for people in marketing, that it saves them 70% of their time in blog creation. Think about the amount of hours you would get back in a week if you had that ability. That's incredible. And, and, and presumably it saves you the time without compromising your conversion rates. Correct. Absolutely. You can track them. You can take a look at the sequences you have today and refresh them. Uh, you can look at the data that you have for each one of them and see what results you're getting and then run them again. Cool. Cool stuff. All right. Advertisement over, although it was important <laughs> to get context, right, for everybody out there, because I really do think it's a very, really, really fascinating company. And, and, and now my ears are peaked to go check it out after this recording. So tell us a little bit. We want to, the podcast is called Unchurned. It's unchurned because we're raw, we're authentic, and we want to really kind of get to know. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where where were you born, Liron, and, and, and where are you now? Where do you live? So I was born and raised in Israel, uh, and after I finished my military service, I kind of spent a few years traveling the world, seeing what the world had to offer to me. And I ended up here in the U.S. in 2000, and currently, for the last 16 years, I've lived in Seattle. I, I've noticed this trend with, with Israel that, that there's just so much strong, you're, you're the head of customer success, you've been in customer success and sales for, for throughout your career. Um, I've noticed this trend, just such strength in customer success products people out of the state of Israel. Do you have any sense why that might be? I think it comes from an entrepreneurship uh, mentality that's kind of brought up into us. So when you think about it, you take a group of individuals, you throw them in a location that's mostly desert and say, figure out a way to succeed, figure out how to do it. It kind of breeds entrepreneurial behaviors and tendencies in people. I think there's a lot in, uh, this is the generalization, so this follows my personal point of view, but I think Judaism really talks a lot about caring for others and making sure that others have as much as you have and giving more. And I think for myself, that is the aspect of customer success, caring and serving others. Uh, what's something, so you're fairly new to Reggie. It's been just a couple of months we're recording this now in October. It's been just a couple of months since you've joined. So we hope that all of your colleagues at Reggie are listening to this episode, this podcast. If you are, then share it with one more colleague at the company yeah. get to, low, to get to know Liron. So you're still meeting people, forming, norming, storming. What's something that your new teammates at Reggie might not know about you and might be surprised to learn about you? I've used this before in a lot of when people ask that question, because I think when you meet me, you're like, oh my gosh, she's such an extrovert and she's got such a big personality and she's so comfortable talking to people. Uh, truth is I'm an introvert and my favorite place is a dark corner with just myself, my books, and maybe some music. I get peopled out and energy drained quite often, but I've learned that I can turn on this mechanism of being an extroverted when needed and that that helps people connect with me. So I'll do it. But at the end of the day, it's extremely draining for me. And I much prefer spending time by myself than with others. Crazy, right? Because I mean, customer success and all you do is talk to people all day and be around people. Um, but yes, it's very, very draining. I find it. But that's that's maybe the entrepreneurial side of you, right? That's maybe not the the natural side of you, right? And that's fine. That's okay. You can, you can, you can, you know, it can, CS can appeal to different archetypes. Absolutely. Yeah, that. 
So, um, so, so like you described, Ready is all about communicating with customers, right? In, in, in written text and, and, and those meetings. Um, so let's talk about communicating with customers. What types of conversations are you having with your customers at Ready? So the first um, kind of charter I gave to myself in joining a new company is I had to meet with every one of our customers. It was important for me to make a connection, to introduce myself, to hear about them and their company, to hear about their team, what they're trying to achieve with Reggie, what they're trying to achieve overall and start building those relationships. Um, it has always mattered to me tremendously that no matter what your role or your title is in customer success, if you're not talking to customers daily, you're not doing your job. And so you should be talking to customers at all time and not just the ones that, well, you're the executive sponsor or you help close that deal. You should be talking to all types of customers throughout your day and having different types of conversations. Um, I don't want to be the one that's only brought in when there's an escalation. I don't want to be brought in only when I, you need the bad person or someone to be the bad cop or someone to kind of, here's the person who can give you a pricing discount, or I want to be part of all the conversations you're having anywhere from prior to closing the deal. And when we're strategizing on becoming partners all the way through your onboarding and how you're thinking about it to what are your objectives and what are you trying to meet? And then let's talk about how you're tracking to meeting those objectives. Um, and then be part of your negotiation as well. But I think it's important that we have different types of conversations with customers. And no matter what your title is, if you are leading a customer success organization, make sure that you're part of those meetings with your team and that you're adding value. I always tell my team, don't bring me into a meeting if I'm just going to sit there and smile. Put a stock photo of me. Bring me in when I can bring value. My job is to add something to your meeting. Whether I help you or help the customer, it has to be about the value. So, so, so you're... You're the team leader. You're uh, you're not assigned directly yourselves to the accounts as the CS manager. Then help me understand functionally how that works. How how do you how do you get yourself into these meetings? Like which ones do you pick and choose from? What's the yeah. protocol for inserting yourself into those daily conversations? So at Reggie right now, I'm not assigned to any accounts. But um, if you'll talk to anyone who's ever worked with me, regardless of what my title was, I've always carried a book of business. I'm a big believer that you should walk the same shoes that your team is walking. And while you might be the VP of customer success, I feel very strongly that you should have accounts named and attached to you. Maybe you're not, well, not maybe, for sure, you're not holding 30 accounts, but you could have three, one each quarter and have one quarter of a break because it's Q4 and you're planning, but you should absolutely go through all the motions your team is going through. At Reggie, I have a list of all of our accounts and the different stages that those accounts are in. And I've asked my team to, for the first month and a half that I've been here, um, add me to all the meetings that they're having so I can introduce myself. And then I kind of choose and pick between onboarding new customers, ongoing trainings, QBRs, or I like to call them customer objective reviews versus a quarterly business review. We're here to re review your objectives, not the business. I like this that. This is about partnership and I like quarterly that. business reviews make me want to break out in hives. It just feels plastic and it doesn't feel like it's the right motion um, all the way up to like your renewal and expansion conversation. So I make sure that throughout the week I'm having different types of conversations with different customers at different stages. That helps me understand where we need to go as a team, what we need to develop, where our processes might not be as fine tuned as they should be where things might be falling through the cracks or where things are working really well. So if I'm going to paraphrase what you said, so you, I mean, you guys are a seed slash series A company, so you're still at a, at a place where you're able to join a lot of the onboarding calls, right? This is yeah. not, you yourselves are not enterprise yet. So, but you're able to join those calls upfront. You're able to get the introduction of who you are. 
build that initial rapport with the stakeholders on the customer side. Um, and by the way, I would call it client side. I think they're your clients, yeah. not customers, right? I think as a, as a universally, I think we've mislabeled the function of customers. I agree. Client success. Um, but in any case, I, I digress. Uh, so you're, you're making the introduction so that, you, you know, later on, it's not just a kind of a random sweeping in during a time of escalation right. or renewal or whatever the case might be. Um, and then you're also assigning yourself to some of the accounts, generally speaking, yeah. to keep yourself fresh and keep those uh, keep those wheels uh, turning. Uh, and and I, I want to go back to something that you said, which wasn't the intention of our, of our conversation here, but uh, a QBR or an EBR should be a customer objectives review, not yes. a quarterly business review or an executive business no. review. Because you're right, that's stale. It sounds plastic, right? It doesn't it's sound... Terrible. Yeah, it is. And what it, it does, is. often, the way I describe it to people, it's almost like, you know how when you get your bank statement in the mail and you're like, here are all my expenses or where I spent money. Well, some of it was an expense, but some of it was an investment. And when you look at it in the rear view mirror, does it matter? Like, what are you benchmarking against? But if we take a look at your objectives and we review your objectives of why you bought the platform, what were you trying to achieve and how you're tracking towards the ob objectives, now we've actually built a partnership because we're not just reporting on outputs, we're reporting on the work you're doing and how we're helping you facilitate that work, how we're working with you for you to achieve that success. Now we're talking about a partnership versus a one side relationship where like, let me tell you what you've done. And so I don't think that it should be a QBR and EBR should be a review of the customer object or the client objectives. Exactly. Client objectives review. Client I mean, the, the other idea is like a quarterly business review. It just, it sounds very um, backwards looking and, and, and in that sense, more reactive, which is, yeah. of course, we all get goosebumps on the CS. I hear calling something reactive. We want to be proactive. And when you, when you think about objectives, uh, that's, that's always going to be looking into the future. Right. You know? so, so it also lends itself, I think, to that forward looking atmosphere. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Let's start the movement right now. Hashtag, yeah. hashtag client objectives client review. Yeah. Done. Is the drag of taking notes after back-to-back -back customer meetings slowing you down? Or even worse, did you miss something your customer asked for three meetings ago? Update AI, the latest investment from Zoom Ventures, is here to help. Featuring the world's most advanced artificial intelligence to detect action items, Update AI joins your Zoom meetings and in real time delivers your follow-ups and next steps from customer calls. Save hours of busy work, stay more present in your conversations, and make sure your team is always on track. Sign up for your trial of Update AI today at www.update.ai. Hey guys, it's Josh. If you're like me, you buy the doggy poop bags on amazon.com that have the most ratings and reviews. So please give our podcast a rating or review. It'll help others discover us. Go ahead right now. I'll be here when you get back. Okay. So, um, so you you insert yourself into these meetings and you have meetings on your own with customers. What's the definition for you of a successful, good meeting versus a meeting that's, eh, wasn't really too good. Shouldn't, didn't have to be a meeting or, or was poorly performed. I look for those aha moments, both for myself and for the client. And I'm going to really make really conscious about using client now. Uh, you got me on this way. Let's do this thing. Um, yes. I want to see those aha moments, those light bulb moments that like just go up in people's heads and you can see it. It's usually a physical reaction that they have in the meaning of like, I just learned something. You gave me value. Um, I often tell teams that I work with that people's time is so often just not valued. When someone agreed to give you their time, they're giving you a gift. They're willing to give you their time to meet with you. Your job is to give a gift back, not just take. 
especially in a client relationship, especially in the world of CS, leave, leave a gift behind. That means they're going to want to come again because they know they're going to get something from you. And a gift has to be in the form of a value. And value is defined very differently for different people. So you can leave value in different ways. But to me, a good meeting is when someone took value from the meeting. And a perfect meeting is with both us and the client got a gift of value. We learned something, something just clicked for us and the same for them then I know that it's a good meeting. Now you can go back and say a good meeting has to have an agenda. It has to be agreed upon. There has to be structure. There has to be next steps. There has to be follow-up. All of those are table stakes. But even if you had all of those and it was not an aha moment of a value realization, at the end of the day, the client's going to go, well, that was 30 minutes. That could have been an email. And next time Liran sends me a meeting request, I'm probably going to just ghost her because I didn't get any value. Um, okay. So... So how do you know when there is an aha moment, both as an individual contributor, as the CSM running the meeting for your account, and also as the team leader at a higher level, kind of swooping in with a higher purview of more meetings across your entire focus? Yeah, so I think it's about active listening. When you have that moment when you want to say, ooh, tell me more, or, oh, I haven't noticed that. Really listen to those cues and lean into that. Whether the, the client said something and you're like, I did not hear that before. Tell me more about what you mean by this or how you approach this, or you heard something you didn't know about them and vice versa. I love to stop and ask questions, even when we go through that customer client objectives review and they are surprised by something. Ask them, was there something that you were surprised by? Was there something that you were expecting to see that you did not? Ask really curious questions to kind of get into the depth of it, but actively listening and reading the room you can watch um, how people react. I'm a big believer that most meetings, if not all, should not be run and matched by slides, not only because I take pride in making ugly slides and don't see the value in them, but you can't see people's faces when you're presenting. And when everyone's looking at just a PowerPoint presentation, you can't read the room. And it's really hard to do when you're over Zoom. When we were in real life uh, pre-COVID, you could read the room you were presenting to and see how people were reacting. Today, you have to do it in a different way, but when you're presenting, you have to be able to see the physical reaction people have. Are they nodding their heads? Are they smiling? Is this resonating? Figure out what those moments where you gave them that gift of value. I, I ask CS team leaders all the time how often they're talking with their customers, their clients on a recurring basis. Is it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly, et cetera? And it, it, the answer, of course, is it depends. It depends on your setup, your configuration, the nature of your company. What, what does it look like for you at Reggie and then previous roles, um, because I know you have, you've had an interesting experience with really figuring out what that optimal number is, what that optimal cadence timeframe is. So how has that worked for you? I think uh, it is experimentation because each role in each company is a little different and also each person. And so I'd encourage others to just take a look at your calendar. What percent of time out of your 40, 50, 60 hour work week that you have, are you spending being customer facing or client facing? How many of those are meetings with clients? And what's the optimal percentage it should be? I challenge myself to spend at least 50% of my time talking to our customers. I can't lead a successful customer success organization without staying close to what our customers are saying. Um, you and I, Josh, can be on the same call with the same client and hear different things because we're using our bias and we're using our ears in a different way and our roles are different. We each hear the things we want to hear, but we also hear them differently. And so by not being as close to the customer as I believe we should be, 
I can't fulfill my role. And so depending on when and where I'm at, and there are moments throughout the year and the quarter where it's less than that, but on average, at least 50% of my time is spent customer facing um, because I wouldn't know what we need to develop next or how our current roadmap is impacting our customers or the impacts of the economy and the market on our customers or how would I do a forecast if I don't know where they're at, what keeps them up at night, what they're worried about. Um, not staying connected to them is is a big risk that I see quite a lot of success leaders kind of climbing the ranks and then stepping away from the customer and just relying on their teams or someone else of reading feedback or even listening to recordings. I do quite a lot of listening to recordings of calls after. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It's just randomly listening to what my team does. Um, but it's a very different approach than when you're hearing it live and you can interject with another question and turn the conversation. Yeah, it is. I mean, talking to your customers for 50% of your time is certainly honoring the voice of the customer. So I think, have you experimented in the past with trying to authenticate customer touch points? Yeah. I like to think that I'm a very curious person. And so I like to ask a lot of why. And one of my least favorite things is when people say, oh, because we always have, then great, let's challenge that. Break that glass and just go somewhere else. And so often I would ask my team, oh, I see that you're having weekly meetings with this customer. Do you have weekly meetings with every customer? Why do you have weekly meetings? What's the point of the weekly meeting? How does that drive things forward or bi-weekly? Or when I've heard people say, oh, we have a QBR once a quarter. How do you know what the impact of those meetings are to the day-to-day? when you do the math, just look at your team's calendar, choose one person on your team that's actively engaged and look at how many meetings they have. And then look at how many hours they're spending in those meetings. They have to be productive. Otherwise, why are we spending all that time there? And so I uh, took a look at some of the meetings that our team is having and took a look at the different meetings we're having and tried to correlate them to renewal. And if a certain customer got a weekly meeting, were they renewing at higher rates or expanding at higher rates than someone getting bi-weekly meetings or a monthly meeting or maybe just a quarterly meeting? And when you look at that data and you all of a sudden realize there's no point in a weekly meeting, there's no difference between having a weekly meeting and a monthly me- weekly a monthly meeting because the results for renewal are the same. That's what led me to believe that some of these meetings just don't have value. They're just meeting for the sake of meeting. And if that's the case, don't waste the customer's time and don't waste your own time. You don't need to have a placeholder. If you've got nothing to talk about, then don't. If it could be I, an I email, love then this. send an email. I love this analysis. This is this is such great analysis. I mean, the, 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 the foundation of my company, Update AI, is to help with your customer meetings. However, there could be no greater value, I think, than our company could provide than to eliminate your meetings, right? To relieve you right. of, un, of unnecessary meetings. Of course, that's wasteful meetings, right? Not the good ones. But um, so I love that you're that you're questioning the status quo uh, and just the momentum of oh well, that's why because we that's just how often we have those meetings. Um, okay, so I actually want it for for any other team leaders, CS leaders out there listening, I'm sure they're interested in your methodology around this. How did you do it? You you, you picked. You picked like an A and a B test of CSMs and then looked at the renewals, but like renewals don't just happen every day. So was this a, a whole full year long uh, yeah. analysis? How did it work? I looked at over a year long of data, uh, three CSMs that had three uh, similar book of business. So you can't say, oh, well, it's different in enterprise and it is an SMB. We can even look at cohorts within those segments and take a look. And then take a look at the behaviors of those CSMs and see, okay, here's an account where Josh has had weekly meetings and here's an account where Josh has monthly meetings. 
they both renewed early. They both renewed in a healthy. So then I start asking Josh really, again, curious questions. What's the difference between the customer that has a monthly meeting with you than the one that has a weekly? What is the agenda? What are you talking about? And why do you think that makes an impact? And a lot of the time, the CSM would say back to me, well, they asked for that. Great, then challenge it. Say, we actually found that it is more productive when you and I meet once a month and we use this agenda so that you have your time and I have my time. And in advance, I send you this information and then we proactively work on it versus meeting once a weekend, shooting the breeze and talking about what you did this weekend, how are your kids for 10 minutes? And then, ooh, there's a feature coming up. I should send you some information. That was 30 minutes. There was a follow-up after that. There goes an hour in your day. So that meeting wasn't productive. It didn't help anything. And if we can get the same results with less meeting time, then why have so many meetings? And so to me, that was giving my team a gift back and giving them time back into their day by helping them analyze and evaluate what effective meetings are and how often they should happen. I mean, that's a huge gift back and it's helping you increase your coverage ratio of more, more customers that you're able to then have touch points with. Uh, so did you, did you go ahead at the beginning of this year, set that up with your, with your CSMs that you were going to you know put into those experiments? Did you say, okay, you're talking weekly, you're talking bi-weekly, you're talking monthly. Or did you retroactively go and kind of dig out the data? So I went retroactively and dug it through to finding out what they do. So one of the things that's really important when you build really great. And by the way, I'm sorry. So, so, so after finding out what they do, so, and, and this is not at Reggie, this was at your past role, but uh, did they, um, was there any, like, was there any, uh, were there any guidelines for them, what they should do, or they kind of had the jurisdiction themselves to figure out what the cadence should be each person on their own? So when they started, I took people at the cadence that they told me they had. So okay. if you told me, I love having weekly meetings, great, keep going. I'm going to measure and test and analyze why and figure out how you're impacting your customers. And then someone else on the team was only having monthly meetings and that was great. So instead of pushing you to something you weren't comfortable with and then coming back and presenting you with the data to say, hey, we could all still be successful. We can reduce the meeting time. You can get back this much time in your life. And you who are only doing monthly meetings, if that was the result, you're doing a great job. Keep doing that. You're on the right track. You didn't win more time back, but you get a gold star for doing the right thing. Now, at Reggie, the way I'm thinking about it today is I think there are different parts also, which is something I did not think about previously when I did this analysis. The more you do it, the more you think about things you didn't. Evolution is a great thing. Um, but I think at different points in the life cycle, you should have different cadences of meetings. So I don't think it's one size fits all. And so while I think that you're in your early stages of just coming on board as a new customer, you might need more touches that are human touches with meetings to just stay on cadences. And then you can expand those into longer time periods if needed. And then you want to increase those again at about the midpoint, which is when we know like decisions are made a better, whether you're renewing or not pick up those meetings again, make sure that there's value in them and then kind of go up. I think it's an ebb and flow versus constant line at all times. Um, so that's what we'll be testing moving forward. That's really exciting, really exciting stuff. Liron, this was a really fascinating conversation. Um, my takeaways here are uh, experiment with your teams like you've done, uh, always seek to be learning and improving and let's change EBRs and QBRs to CORs. Yeah. yeah. Always, always work to improve, challenge yourself, never stay constant, continuously learning and innovate, experiment, stay on top of it so you don't go stale. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Hey guys, it's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what? Even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. 
And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn and it'll redirect to my profile. Thanks.